welcome to Tuned to Yesterday, broadcasting programs from the golden age of radio. I'm your host, Mark Livonier. Coming up in this hour, sitcoms. Later on, the Colmans star in the Halls of Ivy as the Halls. But right now, it's the life of Riley with William Bendix as Chester A. Riley. And this NBC broadcast next from June 28, 1947. The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Although holding down a job and raising a family is no easy assignment, it's something a man with average intelligence can usually contend with. But this is the story of Chester A. Riley, whose nervous system around this time of the year begins to show signs of strain. It's just after dinner, and we find Riley about to stretch out comfortably in his easy chair and relax. Oh, gosh, you look worn out, Daddy. Boy, am I tired. It's lucky my underwear is starched or I'd cave in. <laughs> oh, wait, Pop, don't sit down there. Well, why not? Well, I've got my model airplane there, and I can't move it. Oh, okay, okay, I'll sit in this chair. Oh, don't sit there, Daddy, my knitting. Don't sit here, don't sit there. I work all day to make my ends meet, and at night I can't even sit down. It's time you kids realize I'm entitled to a little respect around here. Well, I'll move the knitting, Daddy. Never get any rest if I hadn't married your mother. She's the only one around here that realizes how hard I work all day. And when I come home, I like to sit down and Wait, relax. Wait, Riley, don't sit down. I want you to fix the pilot light in the stove. I fixed that pilot light yesterday. Well, it went out again. The kitchen's full of gas. Impossible. I don't smell any gas. Of course not. How do you expect to smell gas from way out here in the living room? With my nose, distance don't mean a thing. Now, come on. Stop making excuses. It'll only take a minute to fix it. Well, I can't do it now, Peg. I got other things to do. Uh, what other things? Well, uh, uh... Oh, Daddy promised to get the chest with my summer clothes down from the attic. That's right. I got to get Babs' chest down from the attic. Let's, let's do it now, Daddy. I can't do it now. i got to fix the pilot light. Well, come on and fix it then. Oh, and while you're in the kitchen, fix that screen, will you? The flies are coming in in droves. Stop worrying about the flies. If they do come in, the gas will knock them off. <laughs> you promised to do a little work around the house tonight. Little work? Look what I've got to do. Fix the gas. Fix the screen. Bring down the trunk. Empty the incinerator. Empty the incinerator. Another county heard from. <laughs> All I do is work around here. I do more work at home for free than I do at the plant for pay. Oh, stop it, Riley. You're working yourself up into a frenzy over nothing. Well, do you blame me for being a nervous wretch? <laughs> Other men, when they come home from the plant, it's a change, but not for me. At the plant, I got that mean foreman nagging me. And here I got... You've got what? Okay, I'll fix the pilot light. <laughs> Junior, go to the closet. Get me my gas mask. But I'm warning you, Peg. My nerves can't take this much longer. A human being can only stand so much. And the same goes for me. Pass the salt, Riley. What? I said pass the salt. All right, stop hounding me. Riley, what's the matter with you? Oh. Uh, excuse me, Gillis. My nerves ain't been so good lately. Yeah, you don't look so good. Sleep okay? No, I got insonomia. <laughs> if I knock off ten hours of sleep tonight, I'm lucky. All day long while I'm working, I'm wide awake. <laughs> that ain't like you, Riley. And I got no appetite. The minute I get through eating lunch, the very thought of dinner nauseates me. <laughs> My nerves are all shot. It's a good thing you've got a vacation starting next week. You've been waking too hard. Oh, it ain't just work. It's the family, too. Yeah, I know what you mean, Riley. Now, I love my wife as well as the next man. <laughs> but sometimes I wish she'd have married the next man. Yeah, I know, Gillis. Nag, nag, nag. Uh, Only this a.m. she says, I need some more money, pooch face. That's her pet name for me when she's trying to get three bucks or over. Under three bucks, she calls me Gillis. That's my maiden name. Yeah. <laughs> they all use that sweet name gag. Yeah, so I says, what do you mean you need more money? Where am I going to get it? I only got two dollars to last me till payday. If I give it to you, what do you expect me to do, I says? You expect me to degrade myself by going to my good friend Riley and buying it from him? 
Boy, you sure told her off. <laughs> Bet I did. Riley, could you lend me two dollars till payday? <laughs> well, I'd be only too happy, Gillis, but just this morning my wife says to me, Oh, cuddle. Yeah, okay, Riley, uh, skip it. It's tough being a family man. Riley, yeah. just between us, and don't let it go no further. Oh, no. Have you ever thought how nice it would be to be a bachelor? Oh, oh. oh have I? <laughs> Thinking about being a bachelor is one of the few pleasures I get out of married life. <laughs> just imagine if we'd have never gotten married. Oh. What a time we'd be having, huh? The two of us would be sharing a little bachelor apartment. Yeah. And every night when we'd come home from work, we'd take off our overalls and put on our tuxedos. Yeah. <laughs> then we'd mix us a couple of them, uh, them, uh, Manhattan. Yeah, Manhattan. Of course, if we was living in Brooklyn, we'd have to keep that quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd get out the little red address book and phone up a couple of nifty numbers. Oh, no, wait, Gillis. No, I don't think my wife would like that. <laughs> Riley, we're bachelors. Oh, we'll phone them up. <laughs> yes, sir, that's the life. Boy, what fun we could have. Yeah, but what's the use dreaming about happiness? We're married. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I don't love my wife. Peg's given me 17 wonderful years. Oh, sure. Not that I don't love my honeybee, neither. Yeah, don't forget, Gillis, marriage has its good points, too. For instance, there's, uh... Correct. And then there's, uh... Right. Uh, and there's also, uh, uh, must be fun to be a bachelor. <laughs> you know what I think, Riley? Right. Once a year, every married man ought to get away from his family for a week. You're right, Gillis. Just to rest his nerves. And when he came back, they'd appreciate him more, and he'd appreciate them more. Yeah, why don't we do it, huh? huh? We each got a week's vacation starting Monday. Why don't you and me go up to Big Diva Lake for a week? Yeah, we could get a little cabin up there for next to nothing. We'll do our own cooking, eat just what we like. I'll take along a good book. Yeah, me too, in case I want to press a flower. <laughs> we can fish and hunt. Oh, what a time we'd have. And it's a date, Riley? Sure, it's a date. Uh, No. No, I don't think I can go, Gillis. You see, my wife and kids are... Oh, they're... scared, huh? No, it's not that, but they're so crazy about me. They can't get along without me. I'm just like one of the family. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't even ask them. Don't ask them. Tell them. That's what I'm going to do. You are? Sure. But if you're scared, forget it. Who's scared? If I want to go, I'll go. Now you're talking. Let's put our feet down, huh? Let's show our wives who's boss. Yeah, we're through being kicked around. The time has come for action, Riley. You and me, we got a revolt. Revolt is the word, Gillis. For years, my family's been leading me around by the nose. And tonight, they'll find out I got a nose of a different color. <laughs> Yes, but you better not touch it before your father reads it. You know how he rages if somebody messes up his paper. Well, gosh, why is Pop so nervous lately? Well, he's been working awful hard. Mm, thank goodness his vacation starts Monday. Where are we going, Mother? Well, I... I was just wondering if maybe your father shouldn't go away by himself for a week. Whatever year we go with him. Well, I know, but I think he needs a rest from the family, too. It'd do his nerves a world of good. I think you're right, Mother. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. But will Pop go for it? Well, maybe we can talk him into it when he comes back. Hey, hey. Oh, in here, dear. Oh, you're all here. Good. Now, listen, everybody. There's something I want to tell you about myself. I ain't like other men. I'm revolting. <laughs> well, what do you care what other people say? We love you. I'm talking about my vacation. I'm going away by myself for a week. But that's fine, dear. I don't want no arguments. My head's made up. I said I'm going by myself, and I'm going. All right, go ahead. I'm... Peg, you didn't hear me good. I said I'm going away by myself. I heard you. I think it's a wonderful idea. Well, so do I, Daddy. When are you leaving, Pop? <laughs> now, just a minute. I got something to say about this. It was your idea. You brought it up, Pop. Trapped. 
Yes, I, I know it was my idea, but I'm quite willing to give it up if it'll make you unhappy. Oh, oh we won't mind. I know, but I mean, it, it may be very inconvenient with me away. There's, there's lots of work around the house. So suppose you want the, the hot water heater fixed. Who'll do it? Who usually does it? Mom. <laughs> yeah, but who holds the light for her? I do. Now, stop thinking up silly excuses, Roddy. You're going. We won't let you back out now. Why, sure. You go, Pop. Hmm. Fine thing. My own family pushing me out of the house. Now, here's what you do. You make a reservation at some nice boarding house. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing doing. No boarding house for me. This is going to be a real vacation. Gillis and me are going to take a little cabin up in Big Beaver Lake. Miles from civilization. We'll do our own cooking. We'll hunt fish. Oh, Oh. <laughs> oh, Daddy, you won't like that. What do you mean I won't like it? Well, you never roughed it before. Who never roughed it before? You're forgetting when I got married, I lived six months with my in-laws. <laughs> Better get aboard. Yeah, we don't want to miss this train, eh, Gillis? I should say uh, that. Mom, I never thought you and Jim would really go off by yourself. <laughs> Neither did I, honeybee. Uh, oh, Daddy, the train started. Yeah, it's starting. Well, hurry up, Peg. Get on the train. Riley, you're going, not me. Oh, yeah. Well, well where's my bag? Uh, in your hand, Riley. Come on, Riley. Hurry up. Well, kiss me goodbye, Bed. Goodbye, Junior. Goodbye, Peg. Oh, gee, Dumplin', you, you haven't kissed me like that in years. That's honeybee you're kissing. <laughs> How do you like that, Riley? He kisses my wife and he don't have to. <laughs> Goodbye, honeybee, sweetheart. Or uh, Gillis, get on a train. I'm coming. Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye Dumplin'. Goodbye, Ben. Goodbye, Goodbye. Goodbye. Did you get home sick? Come home. Goodbye. Goodbye, kids. Goodbye, Dumplin'. Bye. Well, Gillis, we're off at last. We made it all right. Uh, did you hear what Peg said about getting home sick? <laughs> <laughs> what a chance. For the next week, we're going to be bachelors. That's right. So let's act like real bachelors, huh? For he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good Beautiful in these woods, huh, Gillis? Yeah, sure is. We didn't make no mistake coming up here. This is the life, all right. Yeah, this is the life. Let's sit down and rest a minute, huh? Might as well. We got no place to go. But it's great up here. Oh, yeah. Greatest place in the world. Smell that air. <sighs> Pure H2O. <laughs> yeah. It's a great spot, all right. Yeah. Gillis, you, uh, you ain't homesick, are you? Me? Homesick? <laughs> are you kidding? You homesick? Who, oh, me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, what's there to be homesick about? This is only our first day up here. We still got six days, 18 hours, and 24 minutes before we go home. 23 minutes. I better fix my watch. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like you, Riley. I ain't even thinking about home. Oh, sure, that's the way to be. What's so wonderful about a home, we should think about it all the time. That's right. Why, if I was home now, what would I be doing? I'd probably be playing ping pong with my boy Eggbird on the front porch. I'd probably be playing catch with Junior in the backyard. Or I'd be watering my little garden. Watching if my petunias come up yet. 
If it was hot, I'd be laying out in the hammock under the walnut tree with a glass of lemonade in my hand. Babs would be swinging me. Junior would be swishing off the flies. Peg would be reading me the baseball scores. Oh, that's the life giver. Yeah, that's the life for But this life is better. Oh, yeah, this life is worse. <laughs> hey, you know what, Gillis? Let's get down to the corner and shoot some pool. With who? Some chipmunks? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot we're here in this godforsaken place. Riley, you sure you ain't homesick? Me? Homesick? Well, to tell you the truth, I may never go back. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Six days, 18 hours, and 21 minutes. Hey, Gillis, look. Look at that. In the tree, a bird's nest. It's got live birds in them. Three of them. Yeah, it's a whole family. Look, that's the mama bird with two little kid birds. Just like Peg and Babs and Junior. They're waiting for the papa bird. Pretty soon, he'll come home. With a worm. Just like me on payday. <laughs> you listen, I never realized that birds are human. Well, of course they're human. What do you think they are, animals? <laughs> What's that? It's a frog. Look there, near that rock there. Where? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see two frogs. Yeah, it's a mama frog with little kid froglets. <laughs> Just like my honeybee and egg bite. Yeah. The frog is waiting for her mate to come home, just like the bird. Listen, she's calling to her mate. Oh, Dylan, it's just as if my peg is calling to me. <laughs> and my honeybee's calling to me. Oh, Riley. Oh, Gillis. the third day of Riley's and Gillis's vacation in a housekeeping cabin in the mountains. Both men are miserably homesick, but their pride is forcing them to stick the week out. However, they've been letting their misery out on each other, and the atmosphere in the little cabin is laden with tension. Oh, it's you, Gillis. Yeah, it's me. Who do you expect in this wilderness? Daniel Boone? <laughs> well, did you catch any fish? No, they wasn't biting today. Where's my fishing rod I let you use? How should I know? What do you mean, how should you know? A trout pulled it out of my hand and swam away with it. Swam away with my rod? Listen, Gillis. Oh, quit beef and I'll pay you for it. Is supper ready? You know, it's your thing to do the housework today. If that supper it's ain't... It's ready, it's ready. What's that to eat? You'll eat what I give you. <laughs> I don't smell nothing. It's lucky for you, you don't, because we're having canned sardines. <laughs> sardines? Yeah. You gave me sardines for breakfast and lunch. What kind of a meal is that to give a man? I didn't have anything else in the house. Why not? Why don't you go down to the village and buy some meat? I didn't have time. Didn't have time. <laughs> what do you got to do all day? Oh, you've got your nerve asking me that. While you were out fishing, I just made the beds, washed the dishes, scrubbed the floors, and, and you got the nerve to come home and yell at me. Me with my housemaid's knee. Believe me, I'm sorry. All right, all right, Riley. Quit nagging. A man comes home after a hard day, and all you do is nag, nag, nag. Bad enough I don't get no peace. I got to eat sardines yet. <laughs> oh, you think you can run the house any better? I know I can. Okay, then I'm through. Here's my apron. Gillis. What a stubborn mule. Gee, I wish I was home. Tomorrow will be Sunday. Sunday, the day of rest. Our whole family together. Junior mowing the lawn, Babs washing the car, Peg beating the rugs, and me in bed resting. <laughs> Gee, how I miss Peg. I ain't been so lonesome since our honeymoon. When I fell off the train and she went to Niagara Falls without me. <laughs> oh, what a vacation. I'm so lonely I could die. Then it's a good thing I'm here. <laughs> Who's that? It is I, Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> oh, 
it's you, Tigger. Greetings, Riley. You're looking fine. Very natural. <laughs> well, what are you doing up here, Digger? Oh, I'm staying at the village inn. I needed a holiday. Lately, I've been carrying too much on my shoulders. <laughs> I guess you work pretty hard all year. Oh, yes, indeed. I'm busy as a gopher. Uh, you, you mean beaver. In our profession, it's gopher. <laughs> I gather you're on a vacation, too? Uh, some vacation. I'm up here with Gillis. But it's no fun. We're always fighting. Oh, it's so silly to fight with your fellow man. You know what I always say? Live and let live. <laughs> of course, in my profession, I'm considered a radical. <laughs> the reason we nag each other is because we're both so homesick. You wouldn't believe it, but the least little thing makes us homesick. Like, like yesterday, when a frog croaked. That would make me homesick, too. <laughs> My son, Clay, has a pet frog, you see. Oh. But, Riley, if you're so miserable, why not go home to your dear family? Oh, I'd like to, Digger, but after all, I got my pride. It doesn't pay to be proud. I once knew a man. He was so proud he wouldn't even talk to me. He thought I was beneath him. Ten years later, I met that man again. Well, what happened? I didn't talk to him. He was beneath me. <laughs> Riley, take my advice. Go home. You really think I ought to go, Digger? Riley, when I say a man's got to go, he goes. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right, Digger. I'll leave right away. Oh, thanks for the advice. Don't mention it. You know me. Always glad to give a friend a push in the right direction. <laughs> well, cheerio. I'd better be shoveling off. Well, here we are, Gillis, back home Yeah, they'll be surprised to see us Gee, I feel like such a fool coming home four days ahead of time So do I, but it's wasted not to be home Yeah, it sure is Well, we might as well face the music Yep, see you later, Randy Okay Peg! Peg, it's me, I'm home Peg! Junior. Babs. Hey, where is everybody? Honeybee. Hey, Blake. Honeybee, it's me. Who's me? I'm home, Honeybee. Hey, Gillis, there's nobody home. Nobody at my place, neither. Well, that's a fine thing. We come home unexpected and there's nobody here. There's something funny here, Riley. My Honeybee is always home at this hour. This is the time she always listens in on the party line. Something funny about my house, too. The blinds are all down. Hey, Riley, look, there's a note there in the milk bottle. Uh, let's see that. Maybe it says here where they are. Gillis! They went up to the cabin in Big Beaver Lake. What? Yeah, look, don't leave any milk until further notice. I've gone up to Big Beaver Lake to join my husband. My family must have went with her. They're there and we're here. We'll just have to wait here till they get back. Gillis, there's something I don't understand. Here we are at home and I'm still homesick. Me too. I'm miserable. This proves something. We ain't homesick for the home. We're homesick for what's in it. You mean our wives and kids? Yeah. You know what this means, Riley? We like being married. <laughs> what a revolting development this is. Hey, mister, are you Chester Riley? Yeah, that's me. Well, telegram, sign here. Gillis, this must be from oh, them. Hurry, open it up, open it up. Poor things must be miserable all along without us up there. They must be suffering. What's the matter? What does it say? Arrived this morning, found you were gone, having a wonderful time. They like it up there. They're happy without us. We might as well face it, Gillis. This means only one thing. After 17 years of married life, the honeymoon is over. Junior, baby, you're back. Oh, oh, Take dear. off your coat. Sit down. Stay a while. I mean, I'm so excited I don't know what I mean. Did you miss us? Did I miss you? Believe me, I learned something while you were gone. What, dear? I found out that there's nothing like having a wife and children. No father should be without them. <laughs> Oh, 
Cracklingham, home makers of Dreft, the searching miracle for soaks, nylons, woolens, and dishes, invite you to be their guests next week to hear the life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. The Life of Riley, on Tuned to Yesterday from June 28, 1947, on NBC. You are listening to an hour of sitcoms on Tuned to Yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Lavonier. Next, it's The Halls of Ivy, starring Ronald and Benita Coleman from 1950. The show was created and written by, for the most part, Don Quinn, who brought listeners The Fibber McGee and Molly Show, a mainstay on radio, which was on the air at the same time as The Halls of Ivy Show. So it comes as no surprise that from week to week there would be a different writer helping Quinn out on the script. This one happens to be Walter Newman, who also worked on shows like The Mole Mystery Theater, Suspense, and Escape, and in 1948 wrote a script for Mickey Rooney on the Shorty Bell series, in which Rooney's character had to unexpectedly take care of a Hollywood movie dog. Well, this episode next called The Lost Dog of any indication of a good script and was heard on NBC on April 14, 1950. The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Now, The Halls of Ivy. Welcome again to Ivy. Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. You know, many people think of a college president as a man who spends most of his time worrying about his school's financial situation. Now, this is a profound misconception. A college president does not worry about money most of the time. He worries about it all the time. And Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, the president of Ivy, is no exception. At the moment, he and Mrs. Hall, the former Victoria Cromwell of the English stage, are in a taxi on their way to a dinner party at which Dr. Hall is to be the guest of honor. Mrs. Millicent Foster, their hostess, is very wealthy, and an endowment is in sight. Mrs. Hall says, I do like dinner parties. I wonder what the main course will be. Main course? Me. Uh, there is nothing Mrs. Foster likes to serve her guests so much as a celebrity, major or minor. <laughs> she should be very happy this evening, then. In your black tie, you're quite a tasty dish. <laughs> Thank you. But not as tasty, I'm afraid, as the major celebrity she originally intended to have tonight. He disappointed her at the last moment. Oh? How? Yes, he led with his right, was knocked out in the sixth round, and thereby ceased to be a major celebrity. <laughs> uh, she was forced to settle for a college president. Oh, poor woman. She is not, thank heavens, a poor woman. She's one of the richest in town and one of the loneliest. That's why she fritters away so much of her wealth on trivialities. I've been trying for over a year to guide her interests into more constructive channels. Like, say, um, gymnasium constructive or library? Yes, exactly. I have a feeling that when we leave tonight, <clears throat> I'll have a nice, fat endowment check in my pocket. Well, I have the same feeling. Mr. Merriweather told me you'd made a very great impression on her. Yes, I suppose I have. I mean to say I, I have some uh, respectable degrees, and I've written a few good books. Uh, it's your good looks that have impressed her, not your good book. Oh, nonsense. <laughs> nonsense, Victoria. <laughs> I never, never heard anything so ridiculous in my life. Uh. <laughs> Good look. <laughs> Me. <laughs> you really think so? Of course I do, and I'm not the only one. Every co-ed on the campus is mad about you. <laughs> you're, you're just saying that. <laughs> really? <laughs> This is as far as I can go. Driver, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Sorry, folks, there's a detour. I didn't know nothing about the roads under construction. Oh, will it take us much out of our way? Uh, about eight miles, approximately. We'd have to go over that bridge and all the way around. How long will that take? Almost 15 minutes, Nellie. Mm. Ten of eight now, and Mrs. Foster's very fussy about punctuality. Suppose we walk the rest of the way. All Victoria. right. Uh, driver, how far are we from 383 Hyacinth Road? Merely 12 blocks, only. <laughs> uh, I don't mind walking if you think we can make it by eight. Oh, we can do it easily. All right, here you are, driver. Well, keep the change. Oh, thank you. Do we just walk straight ahead? We've never been out this way before. Uh, just uh, straight ahead, almost. 
You can't miss it, but they're long blocks, and you better walk fast if you want to be there by eight, practically. Thank you. Well, let's hurry, Victoria. Mr. Merriweather, the entire board of governors, in fact, has told me how insistent Mrs. Foster is that her guests arrive on time. Oh, don't worry, Toddy. Twelve blocks in ten minutes. We'll be there by eight. Mm, it's only that I don't want anything to mar the impression I've made. The board is rather counting on me to bring her into the fold of donors. <laughs> I hope that we... Well, what a, what a revolting-looking animal. I... Look, look, Victoria. <laughs> you have been such a... Such a mongrel in your life. It seems to be all the dogs ever bred wrapped up into one. Oh, I find it rather appealing, the way you sit there looking at it. Don't like Napoleon in that comic strip. May we stop for a moment to pet it? Well, I have one, one pet only, if you don't mind, darling. No time for more. <laughs> oh, no, it is affectionate, isn't it? Oh, you're happy to see us, aren't you? You're the fellow. Yes, you are. You've been certainly uh, Vicky, I hate to interrupt this passionate courtship, but uh, if we're late, we're liable to lose a large endowment. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are. Yes, we are. <laughs> oh, sorry, darling. Goodbye, dog. I think it's lost. It had a collar around its neck, but no license. Oh, it probably belongs to the house just behind this wall. It's fed a dozen times a day, and on the whole, lives much better and more securely than the average instructor. Mm. No, I think it's lost. Well, what makes you think so? Because it's following us. Seems to have no place in particular to go. Go home, sir. Go home. Such as a female. Oh, go home, sir, or madam, as the case may be. <laughs> oh, Dorothy's he's doing all his tricks for us, sitting up and rolling over. Oh, he won't be upright as old Smarty pants, aren't you? <laughs> Victoria, please, darling, uh, don't encourage him. We, we, down, sir. Down, sir. Down, down. Oh, he, he only wants to kiss you. Uh, Victoria, no one can accuse me of being uh, anti-dog, but any desire I have to be slobbered over by a mongrel stray at this particular moment is so small that it borders on the microscopic. We simply haven't the time. Now, I, I've got to chase him away. Don't be startled. I'm going to shout at him. Go away. Go away. Alibazon. Jamesy Vick. <laughs> Cram. <laughs> that did it. Look at him run. Now, please, let us hurry, Victoria. Well, I hope he'll be all right. Of course he will. He was all right for years before we came along, and there's no reason to suppose he won't be all right for years after we've departed. Might be run over or something. Well, it simply isn't our problem. I'm sorry if I seem callous, but in wangling an endowment, a certain ruthlessness is necessary. Oh, Toddy. You don't suppose he's been hit? Well, of course he hasn't been hit. I'm sure he hasn't been hit. I mean, aren't you? I have a queer feeling in the pit of my stomach. I mean, he was so alive just a minute ago. He would by any chance some... oh, But it's, it's late. Mm. We're going to be late. We... We'd, we'd best go back and see if he's all right. Harry, take my hand. This is ridiculous. As much as a million dollars waiting for me, and I'm running in the opposite direction. I've had nightmares like this. Well, it, it may not be as much as a million. Well, even if it's only half a million, it's ridiculous. How will we get him to a vet? Well, one of these houses to drive. Hold it, hold it, Victoria. Hold it. Oh, you're safe, aren't you? You know that? Frightened us. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I... What seems to be the trouble? Is uh, that dog annoying you? No, not at all, officer. No, he's a very friendly dog. Too friendly, in fact. He's been following us for the last ten minutes, and it seems likely to go on ad infinitum. Uh, I, I mean, he seems likely to go on endlessly. I know what ad infinitum means, mister. What makes you think I don't? Oh, I... <laughs> I beg your pardon. What makes you think I don't know what an infinitum means? Simply because I'm a policeman doesn't mean I'm an ignoramus. Well, I'm sure my husband had no intention. It may surprise you to learn that I have a degree in police administration from Fordham University. Oh, if I, if I seemed patronizing, I'm sorry. I... Uh, it's just that I'm tired of people who have a stereotyped conception of a policeman. Now, how would you like it if people had a stereotyped conception of your job? Well, as a matter of fact, they have. My job is teaching. I don't have to tell you how many jokes I hear in the course of a year about absent-minded professors. Doesn't it get you down? 
Little kid called me a flatfoot yesterday. My feet happened to be perfectly arched. I could show you. Yes, I, I know what you mean. You know, there was a newspaper editorial last week in which teachers were called long hair. <laughs> I'd leave it to you. Is my hair long? Yeah, William, I don't want to interrupt this coffee clutch, but it's getting very late. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, of course. Um, officer, this dog seems to be lost. Have you any idea where it belongs? Well, I'm new on this feed. I have no idea whose dog it is. Uh, oh, well, my wife is afraid, and I am too, that it may be run over unless someone takes care of it. Maybe place it in your hands. What would I do with it? I have eight more hours before I'm relieved. The sergeant drives past to check up on me, finds me walking the dog. I'm liable to wind up patrolling way out of Marie Antoinette Plaza, near the garbage dump. <laughs> uh, why don't you take it with you? Uh, well, we're on our way to a dinner party, and if we came with a stray dog... Uh, I see what you mean. It would be, shall we say, outre. Uh, how, how was that? Uh, oh, oh, yes, uh, outre, of, of course. Yes, it, it would be tres outre. <laughs> Uh, can't you be persuaded to look after it for a few hours? It, it keeps you amused. I'm afraid amusement isn't what I'm here for. Look at that. I just ended a sentence with a preposition. Shows you how careless a man gets after he graduates. Oh, it's considered proper usage these days in some quarters. You don't say. Yes, as a colloquialism. Oh, I can't say that I approve. Uh, I am a purist. <laughs> so am I. Uh, particularly when it comes to grammatic construction. I agree. As a matter of fact, I devoted an entire chapter to it in my book, Grammar and Its Effect on Social Behavior. Oh, I've read that. Did you write Boy, that? Boy, please, we're terribly late. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Good heavens, look at the time. It's past eight. Um, officer, uh, what should we do? Forget about it. It's not your problem. Exactly what I said a few minutes ago. Now, come on, Victoria. Dog catcher will probably pick it up tomorrow. Exactly. We can bet... The dog catcher. What'll he do with it? Take it downtown to the pound. The pound? Well, isn't that where they... Well, what, where what, they... What'll they what'll they do there? Oh, he's washed, combed, fed, kept very comfortably for one week. And after that? You mean if no one claims it? Yes. Sic transit gloria mundi. <laughs> oh, no. You mean it's done away with? Oh, no, Toddy. Oh, surely there's some alternative. Oh, there is. Take the dog by the scruff of the neck and march him from house to house. All right, officer, we'll try it. Good night, lady. Good night. Uh, good night, officer. Thank you. Uh, ever read Senator Fell's tribute to his dog? Uh, yes, yes, I have. Fine rhetoric, don't you think? Yes, fine, fine. Mm, fine. William. Uh, yeah, yes. What are we going to do? Do? I'll show you. Come here, come here, brother. Come here. You know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to find your home. Now, Mrs. Foster is not going to like it, sir. Do you know what it's apt to cost me to get you home? A million dollars. Yes, it is. A million dollars. Yes, it is. A million, a million, a million. Yes, 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 it is. As we return to the halls of Ivy, we find a rather irritated Dr. Hall walking with Victoria and a huge, friendly, very lost dog in the general direction of the home of Mrs. Millicent Foster, at whose dinner party he's supposed to be guest of honor. They are now almost a half hour late. They go up the steps of a small residence. I do feel ridiculous, Vicky. I'm not exactly dressed for the sheep's head field trials, you know. Well, never mind, darling. Neither is Fido. Yes? I beg your pardon, but does this dog belong to you? We were just... Mr. Uh... Nothing belongs to me. I'm being evicted tomorrow. <laughs> well, you might as well find a home for him, too. Oh, how do you do? Good evening. We were wondering... Yes, I know. Thank you for coming so promptly. Our own doctor is out of town, or he wouldn't have bothered you. We never expected it so soon, of course. But we were just trying to... Uh, but you're just a tiny moment late. The ambulance got here first. Ambulance? Yes, the baby's due any second. She's at St. Vincent's Hospital, doctor. <coughs> oh, what a lovely dog you have. Good night. <laughs> oh, well... Good evening. How do you do? Have you lost a dog? No, but I'd like to. 
<laughs> you don't quite understand. We found a dog. Are you from a quiz program? Uh, no, but we, we have a dog here, and we don't know where he lives. Well, ask him, mister. Ask him. I'm busy. <laughs> for them, Coddy? I'm thinking that Fido here is no ordinary dog. In fact, I suspect he's been planted here by some rival in competition for Mrs. Foster's dough. Uh, excuse me, endowment. Harvard, perhaps, or Yale. We've covered the entire area and couldn't even give him away. Some people are very callous to other people's sight. Am I to go through life dogged by this, this dog? <laughs> That's the ancient mariner with an albatross round his neck. Well, don't be bitter, darling. You've done a good deed so far, and I love you for it. Remember, virtue is its own reward. Yes, I can see myself explaining that to the board. <laughs> no, I didn't manage to get an endowment last night, gentlemen, but I was kind to an animal. Uh, they're not likely to canonize me for that and call me St. William. <laughs> no, I suppose not. A dog. Man's best friend. <laughs> Another myth exploded. Vicky, you've more influence with this, this monster than I. I mean, make him stop doing tricks. You can talk to him. Well, shall I tell him to go away? Uh, no, no, no. Better not. We may very shortly require a performing dog to help us earn our bread. <laughs> when we're out with a tin cup. <laughs> well, anyway, Mrs. Foster is never going to believe our story unless he's with us. There's a car coming down the driveway. Charlie, be careful. Hey, Rover, come here. There's a good chap. Well, it looks like Mr. Wellman's limousine. Oh, is our chairman of the board to be a guest of Mrs. Foster's this evening? Well, not that I know of, but he's never been known to miss a free meal in his life. Uh. Is that you, Mr. Wellman? Dr. Hall, are you aware, sir, that you are more than one half hour late? I am, and I'm very sorry, I assure you. I shall make what I hope are adequate apologies to Mrs. Foster and the other guests at the dinner party. Dinner party? There is no dinner party. Not anymore. Oh? Mrs. Foster begged her guests to excuse her and retire to her room. Oh, my. She was extremely upset, and I don't blame her. I would be, too, if a guest of honor at one of my dinners failed to make an appearance, failed even to have the courtesy to telephone. Oh, Mr. William, we, we had a perfectly good explanation. Well, perfectly good may be too strong a term, but at least it's an understandable one. On the way here, we encountered this dog, which appeared to be lost. Indeed. And have you taken the position of dog catcher as a sideline? <laughs> uh, the dog seemed to be lost, and we feared it might be run over by an automobile. Taken to the pound and destroyed. So we tried to learn where it belonged. You should have spent a bit more time considering where you belong. You belonged at Mrs. Foster's dinner party. Do you know what she did uh, just before I left? She tore up a certified check made out to the school. No. Tore it into tiny pieces right before my eyes. A, a check for $100,000. Oh, no. Yes. Needless to say, I am far from happy at this turn of events. Mm, I think events would have to turn a complete somersault for you ever to be happy, Mr. Wellman. Nevertheless, I am not bubbling over with happiness myself. I think you are very heedless, Dr. Hall. I'm of the opinion the rest of the board will agree with me. I don't wish to discuss the matter any further tonight. There is no necessity for you to go on to the house. Mrs. Foster has gone to bed. Well, I shall still try to see her to tender my apologies. You're wasting your time, Dr. Hall, again. Good night, Mr. Wellman. Good night. Carry on, Pearson. Well, that's that. I'm very sorry, not only for the money, but because I rather like Mrs. Foster and never intended to offend her. He'll understand your explanation and he'll even agree that you acted for the best. Fine words, butter, no parsnips. But a soft answer turn it away raw. Do you really think I can make her understand? Oh, you know as well as I do that when you set your mind to it, you can charm a bird right out of a tree. <laughs> the charming Mrs. Foster out of a high dudgeon may prove a bit more difficult. She may only be in a low dudgeon. I <laughs> can't remember when I approached a dinner party with so much anxiety. <laughs> I can. That dance at the French Embassy in London. When you were first courting me. It was a long time ago. Remember it? Yes, of course, I remember. It was the ball to which I had not been invited. Oh, you were invited. At least I was, and I invited you. I don't think I ever felt so unsure of myself. I almost ran away as we approached the embassy building. <laughs> if you hadn't been on my arm, I think I'd have bolted. I never was more nervous in my life. with your tie. Uh, are you, you sure? You're, you're sure I look all right? These evening clothes aren't mine, you know. I had to rent them, even these cufflinks. You look extremely handsome and distinguished. Oh, I wish I felt that way. Actually, I feel something like uh, Cinderella. 
Yeah, try, try not to be alarmed if at midnight these tails and white tie vanish and you see me standing there in shorts and a pumpkin. <laughs> oh, I shall carry it off with all the savoir-faire at my command. I shall say to one and all, my dear, haven't you heard? It's the latest rage in America. <laughs> of course, I realize no one's going to notice me. You're so beautiful this evening, everyone will be looking at you. Oh, no, not. Not really. But I feel beautiful when you look at me like that. Oh, dear. What, what is it? What? Your opera hat is collapsing. Oh, no. Something like a tired pretzel. Oh, it's been deflating all the evening. Oh, you seem to be balancing an untidy pancake on your head. I told the man something was wrong with old Vicky. Let's turn back. It's not just my topper. All my clothes. Oh, sorry, stop it. Except that hat, which you can carry. You're impeccably dressed, and you're going to have an amusing and interesting evening. Stop worrying now. You disarrange your tie with your fidgeting. Here. Let me fix it for you. Yes, ma'am. The oddest thing about your eyes, Vicky, they change color. Sometimes they're as blue as a lake in the Adirondacks, than which nothing is bluer. But at this moment... Your eyes are almost violet. I keep a large variety on hand. A little woman comes in and makes them for me at three shillings a mile. <laughs> Try not to touch that tie again. I wish we had known each other longer. Two years instead of two weeks. Two weeks and two days. If we had, you'd know by this time that I'm not always like this. That I enter most situations with a certain aplomb. It's just that an embassy ball is rather a rich and sudden change of diet for a college professor on a sabbatical. After your first case, you lap it up and come back for more. I'm not so sure of that. You know, this is very different from a social gathering at home. There, I have the confidence and assurance of being known and in good standing. But here, among these old titles, these medals, decorations... These shining rewards of a great empire for distinguished services. Ah, oh, it's frightening. No, it's not frightening, William. It's really very gay. And yours as much of a knight in armor as any of them. And as for titles, my dear, don't forget that to me, you're William the Conqueror. What? What was that you said? No, 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 don't, don't knock yet. We can't afford another no. moment's delay. We're late. Ah, oh, let the ambassador wait. I want you to say that again. Ambassador? I told you, what are you talking about? We're late for Mrs. Foster's party. Mrs. Foster's party. Mrs. Foster's party. What? What? Oh, oh, Mrs. Foster. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> where were you? Uh, at an ambassador's ball in London, my dear, with a pretzel on my head. Oh, no. This is no time for daydreaming. I, oh, oh, good heavens, no. We've got to apologize to Mrs. Foster. You stay here with me, then. Uh, good evening. Good evening. Is Mrs. Foster at home? Dr. and Mrs. Hall calling. No, no, no. Wait, please. No, don't shut the door. We wish to see her to apologize. Mrs. For... Someone for me? Yes, madam. Oh, Dr. Hall and Mrs. Hall. Uh, we would like to apologize, Mrs. Foster. That would be all, Kirby. Yes, madam. Mrs. Foster, we are so sorry you've been upset. Upset? Believe me, such a thing was furthest from our thoughts. You seem rather positive genius for milk and water words. How would you feel if your guests of honor for the evening not only failed to appear, but didn't even notify you? It's indicative of a contempt you must feel for the help I could have given you. No, no, I assure you. This is really the last straw. You're a discourtesy on top of everything else. So I went already carrying as much as a mortal could be expected to bear. The last straw? Pete. He lost, ran away, disappeared. Oh, you wouldn't understand. Pete? He's not by any chance a dog. He's not just a dog. He's my dog. I've had him for years, and suddenly he's... Not a raw-boned, flop-eared, bushy-tailed... Yes. Yes. Have you seen him? Seen him? Mrs. Foster. He's the reason we're late. What? We were trying to find his home for him. We, we, uh, well, one moment. One. Pete, Pete. Just a hole, you. Oh, Pete. It is Pete. Oh, all right. You bad dog. Where have you been? I thought you'd been stolen or killed. Just a hole. He may not look, but he's a very rare and valuable dog. I can't tell you how valuable. <laughs> if it were anyone of less consequence than you, Dr. Hall, I should offer him a large cash reward. 
Would, Mrs. Parker? Well, uh, if I may make a suggestion. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Slits is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Now here again are Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Well, wasn't that wonderful, Toddy? For rescuing her dog, Mrs. Foster gave you an extra $50,000 for the college. The reward of virtue. No, oh, no virtue of mine. You might just as well give credit to the town planning commission. If the road hadn't been under repair, we wouldn't have had to walk and wouldn't have seen the dog. Why not thank the taxi driver? He told us to take the shortcut where we found the dog. Or the policeman. If he'd taken the dog as we wanted him to, Mrs. Foster would never... Or have... the horrible man who drove the car that frightened the dog. Or the beautiful wife of the horrible man who drove the car that frightened the dog. No, sorry, sorry. The... <laughs> it's on the table. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, my dear. Good night, everyone. Good night. We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Herbert Butterfield, Janet Scott, Jane Morgan, Herbert Bygren, Jack Trushman, and Jerry Hausner. Tonight's script was written by Walter Brown Newman and Don Quinn. Our music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn, directed by Nat Wolf, and presented by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Halls of Ivy, on Tuned to Yesterday from April 14, 1950 on NBC. And so closes this hour of sitcoms untuned to yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Golden Years. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Livonier. Thanks for listening.